All right. Today's daf is daf Chav Gimel, page 23 in the Heliga Masechus, the Dharm. And we pick up from Rabbi Yishmol Bar Rabbi Yaisi, which is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the top of the Amr. Seven lines on top of Chav Gimel, Amr Aleph. This happens to be, as always, an incredible, fantastic daf. Um, until the Mishnah on the bottom of Amar Aleph, oh, no. we're going to keep going. No, we're going to keep going on different ideas and ways that people uh, were offered a Pesach, an opening in their vow. And once we get to the Mishnah, Amr base is very short, but we're actually going to get into a lot of Kol Nidre. The Ran on the bottom of today's Amr, we're going to learn a lot about the, the, the conversation and the structure of Kol Nidre. On, uh, you know, that we say for, for Yom Kippur. So really, really fascinating stuff. Here we go. Seven lines from the top of Chov Gimel Amad Aleph. Another story. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi. Havalei Nidra Lemishra. He had a Nidra that he wanted to permit. Okay? He wanted to remove a vow. Also, the He came in front of the Rabbanan. Amrulei. And the Rabbanan said to him, Nadarta Adaitit Dahachi. What do you need? Oh, there you go. Nadarta Adaitit Dahachi. Would you have known, yeah, would you have known specific things, you know, it doesn't say exactly what they asked him, but if you have known specific things, would you have made the nether? Similar to the stories we said yesterday, and Amr lay in, he's with Tamil Chacham. So he says, yeah, I knew all that, I knew all that, I knew all that. What about this? Did you know this at the time you made a vow? And Amr lay in, he says, yeah, I knew all these things. So they couldn't find a Pesach for him. Now listen to what happens. Kama Zimnin, this went on multiple times. Now, the Chachamim, he, he wanted it removed. So they're kind of pushed into a corner and they're racking their brains how to remove a vow. Again, not, he wanted it removed and also there's a mitzvah to remove a vow, as we learned yesterday. It's not ideal for somebody to have a vow hanging over their head. So they really, they, they wanted this vow out of here. So, listen to what happened. What do you mean by several times? The, he came to nullify the vow, and they kept asking him over and over and over, did you know this when you made the vow? Did you yeah. know that? And he kept saying, yeah, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. But there, there's a mitzvah, but, but it's, it's usher to have a vow over your head. It's a sin. They're pushed into a corner now. They don't, the rabbis don't know how to help him and how to get this vow out of here. What, listen to what happens. He's being absolutely he's being honest, but listen to this. Kivon rabbonon. There was a guy who used to do laundry. You'll see why it's important that he used to do laundry. He was the local launderer. They didn't have washing machines. They bring it to a central guy. So there was a launderer there. Push it to you, simple guy. But he saw that the Rabbonon were Mitzayr. That the Rabbonon were bothered by Reb Shmol Brebiaisi. So you know what he did? Machi Be'uchla De Katsole. He took the laundering stick. Now the laundry used to take a stick. You know, kind of in, in our washing machines... You know, it goes zoom, zoom, it goes around like a, like a coffers. Yeah, uh, yeah. So here they, they take a stick and they beat it. So he took his, his laundering stick and uh, he hit Rabbi Shmol. <laughs> he hit him. Omar, so Rabbi Shmol said, oh, If I would have known that by coming, that by making a vow, I would come to the rabbis and somebody hit me with a stick, I wouldn't have made the vow. <laughs> now he has a Pesach, he has an opening that he regrets. Ever having made the vow because he got a patch. 
The Sharia Linafshei, so he nullified it for himself. Now, obviously, again, like we learned yesterday, he did nullify it, but he told the Rabbanon, I now had, there's now a Pesach to remove me, and they removed his vow in that way. Now, this is much more, is, is farther fetched than any of the other cases. Because keep in mind, in the other cases, we would say to him, for example, if you would know that the Rabbanon would have to move around as they're dealing with your vow, would you have done? He said, no. Over here, right? He said, no. And they would move Over here, he's not, he's not doing his nether anymore. What it has to do is some yukul, some random launderer, took a stick and gave him a whack. It's still connection. No, it's not. It's not connected at all. He did, is it connected to the nether? No. Is it connected to nullifying the nether? No. It's a random guy who's sticking his nose into other people's That's business. Fine, but has nothing to do with the nether. No, it's just because he's hacking up. That's it. It's further from the nether. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. But you hear the Swara that I'm saying. Says the Gemara. Amli Ravachami Dipti Ravina. Ravachami Dipti says to Ravina, I don't understand. This is not an opening of a guy regretting a previous vow. This is just born. This is a new incident that happened totally separate from a vow. There's no way Rabbi Shmuel couldn't walk over to the rabbi and say, by the way, at the time that I made a vow, I thought about this. You know, like, like there's going to be a random dude who does laundry, who happens to be holding a laundering stick, walking by, and he's going to whack me. Yeah, you know, I regret the whole thing. But Tanina, you cannot remove a vow by something new that happened afterwards. Amarleh, Ravina says, hi, love, listen to this. This is nothing new, Chevra. I'm going to fall out of your chairs. Listen to this. He says, there's nothing new. It's nothing new that people do whatever they can to take things out on rabbis. Okay? <laughs> and therefore, whenever you make a vow, listen closely, whenever you make a vow, you know that if you want to remove, you're going to have to go to the rabbis. And whenever you have a rabbi going to the rabbi, and you have a bunch of rabbis there, there's going to be somebody who comes along and either complains about Rabbi Shmuel, or he complains about the rabbis, and they get all upset, and they're, oh, why are they doing this in this yeshiva? And why is the yeshiva doing this? And why is this rov and this, that, 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 that? He says, that's nothing new. You know, once you're entering this realm, that there's the possibility of something happening, hence, you're allowed to remove, <laughs> hence, you're allowed to remove the vow. So okay, the there's my no Yeah, yeah. According to that, now, this is not a lachlamizer. Not a lachlamizer. We, we, uh, we paskin. This, this would be a little bit uh, too far, too far removed. But this is the story. This was the, the psak that uh, they gave in that incident. All right, here we go. Next story. If you thought that was wild, listen to this, Hevra. Anybody here who's ever had an argument with your wife? Never. Anybody here who's ever argued with your wife, listen closely to this story. It'll, it'll make you feel good. All right? Abaye's wife, the Bisud Abaye, Havla Hibarta, she had a daughter. So Abaye's, Abaye had a stepdaughter. The Helig Abaye, the Holy Abaye. Who Omar Likrivai, and Abaye told his wife, I, she was obviously a wonderful young lady, and Abaye says to his wife, she's going to marry one of my relatives, my side of the family. He Omra, and the girl's mother, Abaye's wife said, Likreva, no, she's not. She's going to marry my side of the family. Okay, right? So Omar Allah, Abaye says to his wife, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to win this argument. 
You ever do this? I, I, the, a second. Other times I'll give in. This one, I'm putting my foot down. He says to his wife, I'm letting you know, if she, if she marries one of your relatives, now Abaye is not her father. He's not in control of this. Abaye says to his wife, if she marries one of your relatives, you can never benefit from me ever again. He's being tough over here. All right? He's, he's basically <laughs> telling his wife, if she marries your family, you're out of here. It's basically what he says. All right? So if you think that you ever made a mistake saying something to your Rebetzin, this is pretty intense. Oslava Avra al And you know what his wife did? She did what a lot of wives do. And she said, you know what the last letter of the Aleph base is? Tough. Tough. And she, and she married her daughter off to one of her relatives. Okay, now, now, Abaye regrets his vow. He, he, was, you know, he, he was saying this to let his wife know that he's serious. But and she says, go jump in the lake. I don't really care. Also the commander of Yosef. So Abaye was the Talmud Muvak. He was a student of Rabbi Yosef. So he came to his Rebbe. He said to his Rebbe, listen, I need help over here. Omar Lay, Rabbi Yosef says to him, If you would have known, If you would know that there's no way your wife is listening to you, and anyway, she's marrying her off to one of her relatives, would you have made the vow? Omar Lay, Abai said, No, I wouldn't have made the vow. Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef says, Well, you, you should have expected that originally, and we're going to assume you already had that in mind, that there's a chance. That no matter what the husband says, the wife says, have a nice day. Uh, I'm not listening to you. I'm doing my own thing. And therefore, he created an opening. Says the Gemara, I don't understand. Is such a thing allowed? Okay. Now, the Ran explains that this, the, the question over here is a very strong one. Because Rabbi Yosef is saying to, his, to Abaye, did you have in mind something which by definition is the opposite of your vow. Abai's vow was, you, you will not marry her off to your family. And what happened was, she married off to his family, and, and Rebbeisif says, if she wouldn't have listened to you, well, that's the flip side of any vow. So it's included in the vow itself, is this piece of information. So it's not shy, So why pesach. is this a Pesach? Yeah, you can't use a Pesach, this is the vow itself. So why did he bring it up? Oh, so the Gemara says, in. Then, yeah, it, it, you could use this as an opening. But Tanya, and I'll prove it to you because we learned it in Ebrisa. Maisa Badamechu, the story with a fellow, Shehideres Ishtai, he made a vow forbidding his wife, Milalois Larego. Yeah, Milalois Larego, from going up to Yerushalayim. Okay? I'm sorry. The, uh, some say Lalois Larego means referring to Yerushalayim, but over here, um, some explain this to actually mean that um, he, he didn't want her to join any like uh, public shiurim. Or learning Tyra. We'll call it learning Tyra. Okay? The Avra al Regal. And she said, I, I don't really care. And she was, Ayla Regal. Klum Hadarta, would you have Omar Loi, Loi, Vetiru, Rebbe, Rebbe, I'm sorry, I skipped the line. Ubalafne Rebbe, and they came to Rebbe, Omar Loi, Rebbe, says, If you would know that she would do the exact opposite of your vow. And she's going to do it anyway. Would you have made another? He says to him, I never would have. So you see, even the situation where the opposite of the vow is being done by a person's wife, still we can use that as a Pesach. The same way Rabbi Yaisi used it as a Pesach in the times of the 
of the Bryces earlier uh, earlier times, so too we uh, Reb Yosef could have this taina to his student Abaye and release him from his vow. Incredible, incredible stuff. And just uh, besides for the stories itself, it's so gishmak that a Gemara in the Darim concerning all this deems it important to give us a inkling into the. Into, into the incidents that took place in our sages' marriages, both for better and for worse, right? To, to let us know that every, again, everything, every situation, no matter what a person says to their spouse, there's always a place in Taira to look to. You can go to a, you can go to a Rav, you can go to Das Taira, you can go to somebody and they'll tell you what the Taira wants for you at this stage of the game. It's a very, very powerful and important idea. Rabbi, okay. I'm a rhymer like Malachim compared to us. Yeah, no, in a chanami. So how could it be such a thing? In a chanami. Showing us their uh, dirty mind. Okay, okay. Okay. I think there's a message to that too. There's a message to that too. All right. Says the next Mishnah. Now we're going to get into... The Mishnah itself is, in the beginning, is not going to give us a direct uh, introduction to Kol Nidre, but you'll see how we, how we, um, how things uh, move along and segue from one idea to the next. Here we go. Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov, ben Yaakov says, Af Even a person who wants to make a neder against his friend, because he wants him to eat with him. See, here's what happens. Reuven goes over to Shimon, and Shimon does not want to eat in Reuven's house. Reuven wants Shimon to eat in his house. Reuven says, Shimon, please come over. And Shimon says, no, I'm sorry. So Reuven wants to motivate. That's the word we're going to use here. He wants to motivate Shimon to eat in his house. So what is he going to do to motivate, <laughs> to motivate Shimon? He says the Mishnah, I'll tell you what he should do. Yaimar Loi, he should say, uh, he should say to Shimon. Now, if you look at the Aleph uh, in the Agai Sabach, he takes out the word Loi for whatever reason. He says, he should say to him, Kol Neder Sha'ani Osid Lidar, any vow that I will make, who bottle is not valid. Ubuvad as long as Shayehi Zohor Bishasanadar. This is where we're gonna to segue to Kol Nidre. As long as so this works as long as at the time of the vow he remembers this statement. Okay. Now let's explain what's happening over here. What's happening over here as the Gemara is going to explain and clarify is that you wanna motivate your friend to eat in your house. So you're gonna to talk tough. Talk tough. Shimon, I'm gonna find a way to get Shimon. You know, you know what I'm gonna do to get uh, to get uh, Shimon in over here. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a vow that if Shimon doesn't come, I'm gonna do this and that. And the gun says a whole a whole to do, okay, a whole to do. Now, the Gemara says the the Mishnah says that what you do is doesn't clarify what. Make sure you make a statement. That any vow that I'm about to make is not really valid. Because now what it's opening us up for is your future vows you don't really need to keep. 
And what happens in the future? And by the way, we say this in Kol Nidre, any vow that I'm going to make in the future, and you'll notice in Kol Nidre, there's the word of our in parentheses, because there's a whole conversation that the Ron brings down over here, whole conversation as to whether Kol Nidre is applicable to previous vows, or whether you're speaking strictly for the future. Whether you could nullify any vow you're going to say. The Misha says, <clears throat> keep in mind that any vow you're about to say is null. This way when you say it, you don't really need to keep it. Unless you don't, you don't remember that you're saying this vow. So let's say in two weeks, I take a vow. And at the time of the vow, I forgot that I made a vow that all my vows are null and void. So now that vow is going to be valid. You have to know by all your future vows that you already said it's not valid. This is a major, this is a major dancing at two chasnas type of Mishnah. At every moment that you make a vow, before you make that vow, you have to recall the fact that you said. Exactly. From here on forth, recall that you said all my vows are null, and then if you make the vow, it's not valid. Yeah. And then. And then tomorrow, if you make another, if you make another any vow from here on forth, you have to say the, you have to say the same thing. That's right. You have to say any any vow. If I say any vow in the next month, any vow that I make in the next month is not a valid vow as long as I know at the time of my vow that it's not valid. Now this now obviously we'll say watch your mouth. Don't do that. You're not. A, you shouldn't be making vows anyway. But Lamaisa, this makes it practically speaking, this makes a lot of sense. Because vows are all about what's in the mind. So if in my mind, I'm thinking this isn't a vow, at the time that I say the vow, it's not a vow. We already, we already knew this, we're just extending this idea. So you're just saying it uh, like it's, it's empty words. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's, a blo- it's empty words, so what are you doing? You're trying to use it as motivation. As you're trying to, we'll see, we'll see what, how we get into this. Really, really fascinating stuff. So here we go, says the Gemara. V'chivon, says the Gemara, V'chivon da Amar, since he says... Kol neder, any vow, sha'ani osid lidar, that I'm going to make in the future, yehei bottle is null and void, loy shamalei, no one's going to listen to him, vloy asi badei, and no one's going to follow through. So the Gemara is asking just a basic question. If your vows are meaningless, how are you even going to use it to inspire Shimon to come to your house? The whole thing doesn't make sense. I'm making a vow then. Shimon's just going to call your bluff. Because you don't, you don't keep your word anyway. It's not a vow. Say, says the Gemara, oh, top of Amber Beis. Yeah, it's all it's all hot air. Says the Gemara, Chsurei Mechzer Bachigitani. Beautiful Chsurei Mechzer. Yeah, Let, there's really more to this Mishnah, and let's explain what the Mishnah means. Haraita Sheyachal, a person who wants Sheyachal Chaverei, that he wants his friend Etzlai to eat in his house. He wants his friend to eat with him. Now over here, we're adding in the the circumstances surrounding this this. Uh, Issue. So Shimon says no. Umadirai and Ruvain says, I'm making a nether against you. If you don't come to my house, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. Nidre Zeruzen, Avi. That's Nidre Zeruzen. Remember what a Nidre Zeruzen? He was just motivating him, he was inspiring him. It's not considered an actual vow. You're trying to basically pressure. Shimon, but we don't expect it to be a total vow. And if you want that your nidarim are not valid the entire year, you should get up on the first day of the year 
and you should say Kol Nidrei. Shani Yosid Lidar Yehi Bottle. Any nether that I'm going to make is going to be null and void. Ubovad Sheyehi Zochor Bishasa Nether, as long as you remember that at the time of the vow. So the Mishnah, what we're saying is as follows. What we're saying is that you're right. The reason why the vow that you made, that Ruve made to Shimon, if he doesn't eat in his house, is he doesn't need to follow through on, is because at the time of the vow, he already previously said, it's Nidre Zeruzen. It's just a way to motivate Shimon to come over. Says the Gemara, one second. If he remembers, so then he's removed the Tanai, the Kayimle, the Nidre, and he's, uh, and he's kept his nether. Okay? Says the Gemara, beautiful. Let's get into the lumdus and the kishkas of this. Listen closely. The Gemara here, the Gemara here wants to assume, the Gemara here wants to assume that when you say at the time, when you make a vow and at the time of the vow, you know that you already said it's not valid. Until now we've been saying, so it's not valid. The Gemara says, one second, pause. Why don't we view it as if you're making a nether despite? If you know in your mind that all your nedarim are not valid, and at the time you remember, you still make the vow, maybe this vow should override the condition. Very simple question, which is, why does the pre-existing statement override your current statement? Let your current statement override your pre-existing condition. And let the vow be valid. Well, particularly if you have to mention... The fact that uh, you're not supposed to make any vows before right. you Right, and you know that, you know that at the time that you're saying it, and you're still saying it, so let my current comment override my previous comment. To which Amar Abaye, Abaye says, okay, you're right, you're right. You know what's happening here? The only time your current comment is valid is when you forget that you previously made it. Amar Abaye. Tony, let's learn. Oh, if, you for, if you forget at the time of your nether that you previously said it, so now your nether is not valid because you have your help before, but in a kanami. Otherwise, if you know now and you still made a vow, maybe the current statement does override it. That's a bias wiggle. Which Rabba argues on. Rabba says, no. Really, what we mean is he makes a vow and there's a pre-existing condition, you know, pre-existing statement, we'll call it, that any future vows are not going to be valid. That is the case. And we're still going to say your vow is not valid here. Why? Because the case over here is as follows. For example, he made a condition on Rosh Hashanah. And he doesn't remember... Um, Exactly what he had in mind on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, meaning like this. On Rosh Hashanah, he said a vow. He, he said a statement. Any vows of this coming, uh, not any vow. Vows of this coming year are all null and void. Call Nidre, all my vows. That I'm going to make. Right? From this Yom Kippur to the next Yom Kippur. Now, what type of vows did you have in mind? He doesn't remember. A sp- there, there's many different types of vows. You can make a vow forbidding food. You can make a vow forbidding uh, a specific person to benefit. You know? What did you have in mind when you had? Did you have in mind every vow? Did you have in mind certain categories of vows? What were you thinking? He doesn't remember what he was thinking by his original statement. It's now eight months later. 
We don't remember everything that we had in mind at the time of Val. We don't remember things that we said, let alone things that we were thinking at the time of Kol Nidre. And now he's making a nether. Now he doesn't remember if it was included in his null and void statement originally, or maybe it wasn't included and he has to follow through on it. So, if at the time of his vow, call it Pesach time, he makes a vow, and he remembers the, uh, that on, call Nidre on Yom Kippur, call it Rosh Hashanah. He, he, he nullified all, all the Dharam of this year. And he says, I'm making my nether now, following what I originally intended. Meaning, I don't want my statement now to be any stronger than my previous one. I don't plan on this statement being any stronger. So then, Nidre lay be mamosha. Any statement now is not valid. There's no mamosha stit. However, if he doesn't say that I'm making a vow dependent on anything previous, so then, so then we're going to say your statement now is stronger than your statement at the beginning of the year. He's uprooted his pre-existing condition, the Kayim Nidre, and his Neder is valid. Mamish incredible. Mamish incredible. The Gemara is saying is, it doesn't work unless you know that your pre-statement, your pre-existing conditional statement, that any future vow, this, ca- this vow you're making now is in the same category that you possibly intended. Correct. Uh, otherwise, because th- think about the svara that Rav is explaining. Is, Rav is agreeing to the idea that why would my statement on Yom Kippur slash Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah slash Yom Kippur, why would that override something that I'm, I'm stating right now? What makes that any stronger than now? Unless I make my statement now strictly conditional on it. So then I'm saying, I still want that statement to be the over, I still want my Rosh Hashanah statement of all future vows, my Kol Nidre, to override everything else. Rav Huna Barchanino, this wraps up the idea. Rav Huna Barchanino, Sava, Rav Huna Barchanino thought, the Midrashay Bipirka. Okay? He wanted to teach this halacha in Shir. Okay, this halacha in class, he was teaching. Before Hesia, right? He was teaching it publicly. Okay, that, um, that uh, any nether, if you don't remember what you said previously, is going to be an effective nether. Don't remember your kol nidre that you said at the beginning of the year. That's a good thing. So, Amr Rava, Rava says to him, no, Tana kamistayim leistume. If you look at our Mishnah, this is so gishmak. What was our Mishnah at the bottom of Chav Gimel Amadalef? Read our Mishnah. Our mission is very vague, remember? Mm-hmm. It was like, Rabbi Eliezer says, mm-hmm. As long as you remember, the Gemara was very vague. Says Rava, it was on purpose. So, the halacha was said on purpose, Kedai in order, mm-hmm. We don't want people playing around with Nadarim. You're going to start giving the tricks to the trade. In your shir, better off, people know not all the halachas and they just stop making vows. It's too complicated for people. This whole sugya, this idea of what you have in mind, and is, it, is my statement now, going to override my previous statement, previous statement, when you're talking about me, there's such a beautiful idea. Because as we discussed, you know, 
you know, we, uh, even recently I told you over the story with my father and Rav Meisha and the cans of tuna, right? If you go through Rav Meisha's tshuvas, he says, don't open cans on Shabbos. Now, outside of that, he, you know, he, he's talking about general cans, uh, you know, in his tshuva. But outside of that, he, when he was spoke to Tommy Dechom, when he was talking to people, he would may, tell you, it depends on the type of can, and so on and so forth. You have to be very careful. And there's something my, <laughs> my wife screams at me a lot about, um, in how you in how you present something so that the public doesn't take it uh, doesn't take it incorrect. Another shaila. They asked a question searching for information. The our Mishnah is a statement of Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Do the Rabbanon argue on him or not? or not? Meaning, is our Mishnah a das yachid? Is it the opinion of an individual? Or are we just quoting the individual? And everybody really agrees with him. If you're going to tell me that there are chachamim, the Rabbanon do argue. If there is a machlaikas, who do we paskin like? Okay. Now, again, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov in our Mishnah taught us that when somebody, Ruven makes a vow to Shimon, because Shimon didn't want to eat in his house, then it's just considered a, a vow of inspiration where he's motivating him. And it's not a, he doesn't need to follow through on it because you're just trying to motivate him. So is, there, is this a source of machlaikas? And if it is a source of machlaikas, what is the halacha? So Toshma says, Gemara, let's come and try to answer it from here. We're going to take one stab at it for now. And then tomorrow, Bezhen, we will pick up with the second attempted answer. We're going to try to attempt an answer, which ultimately will be knocked off. So here we go. Toshma, come and listen. We learned in a... In a Mishnah. Later on, our Mesech Somebody says to his friend, top of tomorrow's daf. I'm making a kainam, an expression of a vow, that I refuse to benefit from you. You know when I will refuse to benefit from you? If you don't take from me, for your child, I want to help his child. I say, I'm making a kainam, I will not benefit from you. If you don't take this from me, what do, what do I want to give you for your kid? A core of wheat, barrels of wine. And I say to him, you better take this from me and give it to your kid. And if you don't, I'll never benefit from you. This type of vow, you don't even need to go to a chacham to remove. It's fine. It's nothing. It's nothing. Why? The guy could say, let me tell you something. He says, you wanted to give it to me for my honor because you, you want to give me something, right? You want to be nice to me. Well, guess what? You want to be nice to me? Don't give it to me. That's called being nice. So by not giving it to me, that's honoring me. By listening to me. So that's the honoring part. Right? That's right. Since underlying the, va- the vow, underlying the vow is, why am I saying take it? Because I want to show honor. So therefore, give it to your son. Because I want you to have something. Give it to your child. Which, by the way, I'll mention something in a moment. This, so th- this, he says, by not taking it, I'm more honored to not take it. Now, what's the idea of the son? I want to share something that's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. I just shared this um, on, uh, on Monday night. My son's yeshiva in Minneapolis. They were having a campaign. They asked me to just share something for a moment about the yeshiva. So I expressed my akar satayv. By telling over a story that I heard, I'm trying to remember who said, I think his name was uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin said this over, I believe. I heard him, I heard him on a 
uh, a number of years ago. Um, he said that when he was uh, 16, he had scrimped uh, uh, enough money to buy himself like a little old rusty car. And uh, he's, you know, got a few hundred dollars and he got this like old jalopy. And a, f- a little bit after he got it, you know, the, the car was running into trouble, as you could expect. So he goes to his father and he says, Dad, what do I do? So his father said, take it to Mr. Goldberg. He was a Jewish mechanic. Have him look at it. Okay. So he says he brought it to Mr. Goldberg. And Mr. Goldberg makes the mechanic noises that you don't want to hear. You know, like that. And finally he, he, he figures it out. And he says, you know, he figures it out. He says, listen, it's a jalopy, but it's to get you from point A to point B. I think you're in good shape. And he, he played around with it, fixed it up a little bit. Okay. So he says, he says to the mechanic, he says, how much do I owe you? Hmm. Now he doesn't have a penny, he just scared. So the mechanic says, no, you don't need to pay me. You don't need to pay me. Your father once did something for me, I have a lot of a karsatayv. Okay. This kid's all excited. You know, he, he didn't have money anyway to pay. So he gets back in his car, he pulls away and he, he says, he, uh, Daniel Lapp and says, I was 16 years old, I thought to myself, I said, this mechanic thinks it's my dad's car. That's why he didn't charge me. That's not right. It's not right. I got to go back and tell him it's really my car. So he goes back and he tells the mechanic, he says, I want you to know, I appreciate that you said I could have it for free, but it's my car. It's not my dad's car. So he says, the mechanic puts his arm around his shoulder and he says, son, one day you'll discover that when somebody helps out somebody else's child, they appreciate it more than when they're helped out themselves. I'm glad to do this for your dad. I'm glad to do this for your dad. So true. He says, by me giving you, by me doing a favor for you and not charging you, that's the way of me showing a karasatayv to your father. And I think that's what's happening, a unique additional message in this story, where he says, I'm making a kind of, I'm not going to benefit from you if you don't take this for your kid. He wants to help out the kid. People appreciate. People appreciate when you take care of their family, take care of the spouse, take care of the family more than anything else. This is, this is maybe, if I'm normal, human nature, I don't know, I get more aggravated if somebody were to walk over to me and hit me in the face. Somebody walk over and hit me in the face, what do you do? Say, Nebuch, and you walk away. <laughs> I don't know. It's pathetic. What do you got? You just walk away. I don't care. Hit me in the find. Hit me in the face. You want to punch me? Punch me. Like yeah. Somebody walks over to your to your spouse. They walk over to your child. They walk over to your grandchild, and they start beating them up. You're not just going to be like, okay, fine. No, <laughs> get off. You don't touch my family. You don't touch people like that. We step up a lot more for people that we are responsible for, that we feel responsibility for, more than ourselves. For, by me, I'll be mevater on it. It's fine. You want to do it, do it. Yeah, yeah. But for our families, we're a lot more. So he says, this guy saying, you want to honor me? The way by honoring me is not doing, is not, by, not giving to me at all. Let's just do two more steps and we'll hold it here. Says the Gemara, time of the reason why the nether is not valid. He says, this is my honor. But if not for that statement, nether who? It would have been a valid nether. Money, who's the author of that halacha? Just a motivational nether. He wanted to inspire the father to give it to his kid. Why are we saying that it's uh, why are we saying it's a valid nether? It shouldn't be valid. It's just a motivational thing. It must be the Rabbanan argue. So again, we had a question. Do the Rabbanan argue in Rabbi Lozab and Yaakov about, 
about uh, a, a situation like this, motivational vows, is that what you see from here? Yeah, they do argue. It is a machlaikis. So that would answer question number one. To which the Gemara says, no, la'aylam, Rebloz ben Yaakov, that's also Rebloz ben Yaakov, umayda Rebloz ben Yaakov, behind the nidru, Rebloz ben Yaakov would agree in this case of the guy saying, I'm, you cannot benefit from me if you don't give this to your kid, the wheat and the wine, you don't give it to your kid, he, he agrees that it's, um, uh, it's going to be a valid nether. Why? To Yomar listen to this, is beautiful, great way to, beautiful way to end off this conversation, this answer for now. To Yomar Kalba Ana. I was going to say like this. Ruvain could say to Shimon, you know why I insisted on you accepting this for your child? Because I'm not a dog. Meaning, when you give something to a dog, a dog takes it and runs. You know why I insist to get from you? This is so beautiful. Because I don't like being a taker. You've given me something, I insist on giving you something back. And that's the mindset. He's insisting, which as Rav Desler, Bali Musar, Rav Desler, Great Bal Musar, he explains, sometimes a Yid has to learn that taking from others is giving. Sometimes a Yid has to learn to take from others. Sometimes we don't want people to give us. Sometimes we don't want. People need to give. Let people give. Let people help. Otherwise, they feel always indebted. They don't want to feel, nobody likes feeling subservient. Let them give back. It's uncomfortable to take back. I don't need it back. True. But just let them give it back. That's also a form of giving when you're willing to take from others. We'll hold it here. Bezem could try to come up with an additional answer to our Shilas. Again, what was our question? Rabbi our Mishnah saying motivational vows in this situation is not valid. Do the Rabbanan argue? If they do argue, is there, who do we paskin like? We still don't have an answer. We'll hold it here for this evening. A good nerve Shabbos, tomorrow morning, 9.15 a.m. Bezaz Hashem. We pick up with Davchav Dalid. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.